Ready? I'm ready. Ready? All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast. We're going to be talking about influence today. So don't pause off. Don't don't churn out here on us because this is going to be a good one. This one's going to be a banger. You think so? I think so. All right. No, what do you think? I'm optimistic. Optimistic. Let's do it. Well, there we go. We're influencing ourselves to have a great podcast. Bullish on influence. Bullish on the influence. So along with influence and why it is important to accrue a, a you know, good influence, not bad influence, obviously, uh, we're going to be hitting on, uh, I think, a really interesting piece from Morgan Housel. We're going to be talking about the, we're not going to go through them, but 16 levels of wealth. We're definitely going through these. Oh, gosh. I don't Maybe care what you say. We're going through Maybe all of them. Maybe not all Maybe of them. Maybe not all of them. Well, we're going to be after influence. We're going to be hitting on this amazing piece. We're going to talk briefly about what's happening in Silicon Valley. Uh, we're going to be hitting on, again, two of Jacob's very favorite topics. Actually, Jacob has a lot of favorite topics. I have a lot of but we're going to be we're, de- <laughs> we're definitely going to be hitting up the housing market because it is, and Noah knows a real estate guy as well. Uh, it is like mass quantities of home that makes no sense it is like home buying season in the united states so we've got some data for you all and um, And a hilarious headline i'll just preface it okay he's prefacing well i'm getting an unknown phone call right now excuse me and we're going to be talking about streaming so layer by layer day by day the world our markets and your life unfolds welcome to the laminate money podcast a show dedicated to exploring our world the financial markets, and scaling your financial life. Tom Statham, Jacob Radke, Dan Schuster, and Noah Jezdahl work for Fiel Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom, Jacob, Dan, Noah, or any podcast guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Fiel Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Let's talk about influence. So if you're not subscribed to our Weekend Reads, uh, which we will subscribe make, away, subscribe, we will make sure to put a link. We talked about influence and I had the privilege, uh, this would have been a week and a half ago to go to New York and spend some time with Davis Advisors and particular uh, Dan Steichen, who who actually, I believe, listens to this podcast definitely from, listens. from time to time. Uh, Dan, if you're listening, thank you for, for having uh, me and subsequently, you know, the team indirectly out there is super, super awesome. We, uh, you know, anytime you get to hear Chris Davis talk, it's just fascinating. I got to hear him talk on the TCAF podcast on Friday. Yes. It was fantastic. I haven't listened to it, but I'm definitely, I'm like in my mind bookmarking, okay, we have to listen to that because you had Chris Davis. And Morgan Housel. And Morgan Housel. Obviously, uh, you know, Josh Brown and uh, Michael Batnick. So these guys, like Chris Davis is definitely one of my invest in investing heroes. Like we love how he invests and we actually talked about our investing strategy last week, but I just thought, you know, going to that meeting and just, you know, hearing somebody like Chris talk for like hours, I was like, wow, this is a masterclass of influence on influence. How long, how long did he actually speak? It was a lot. I was surprised. He was the, he kicked things off, right? Like yeah. you have the big dog kick things off, but he was on stage for most of it. Now he wasn't wow. talking the whole time, but he, he had moder you know, but he was there. He was moderating the, you know, the panels with the research analysts and everything. So, and, and again, to put some more context on Chris Davis, um, you know, they, I think Davis advisors manages 30, 40 billion. 
I think on the podcast they said over 50. Oh, geez. I thought. Okay. So, well, I think that's probably right. Yeah. I was going to say 40, but um, okay. So let's say maybe 40 to 50. Um, You know, the the Davis family, this is, you know, they're pretty public about this. They have a lot of money in their own fund, like in the, you know, low billions, I believe. And so, and then Chris Davis, uh, you know, sits on the board of Berkshire Hathaway. Did they talk about that at all? They did talk a little bit about that. He talked about the origin story of how he met Charlie Munger. Interesting. And it happened to be through something. He was trying to sell like a, a trading company or something or other that his grandfather okay, left Stan. to him. Interesting. Yeah. And then he was like, if anybody can use this, it's Berkshire Hathaway. And he got the connection with Charlie Munger. And then Charlie was like, why would I ever want to buy this crap from you? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I'm cu- and then Charlie was like, but I'm curious to hear of why you thought of Berkshire for this. And that's how the relationship began. And then it, he ended up on the board. Um, through a lot of investment, through a lot I'm of, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, investment and then also just, you know, influence, right? A lot of influence. A lot of influence. So the reason we're talking about influence again is you need it. You do need it. You need influence in your life. Um, you're probably most importantly is to influence yourself. You know, the ability to influence yourself is a skill that you cannot overlook. If you do not influence yourself in a good way, you know, you're ultimately going to, you're going to be influenced by somebody else. And that might not be a good thing or it, you know, could be a good thing, but chances are it won't be a good thing. Right. It's kind of thinking about like, do you follow an influencer? Probably we all follow influencers. But how influenced are you, are you by that person? If that person says go, run, do you run or do you question it, right? Yes. Influence yourself. Create your own decision. And this is a podcast on money and wealth and investing in the macro. So like why on earth are we talking about influence? Like, well, at the core of everything we do, like you need the ability to influence yourself to, to make an above average balance sheet. Like again, we're going to talk about Morgan Housel's 16 levels of wealth. Those are impossible if you do not possess the ability to influence yourself. And the higher up you get on these, you know, tiers of wealth, tiers of, and again, this isn't like a number thing. This is more of a, you know, it's almost like a mindset. Um, You need to be able to influence other people. Yeah. But it's also kind of about being less reliant on other people a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of these weird things where, the more influential you are over other people, the more you like don't need them. Right. Gosh, what a weird concept. That's pretty meta. <laughs> That's pretty meta. So I have in my in the weekend reads, if you want to earn more money, you need influence over your career. If you want to save more money, you need influence over your ability to save. If you want to start a business, you need influence over clients uh, to solve their problems, ultimately selling. You want to raise kids. If you want to raise good healthy kids. You need influence over them, right? So here's a few ways that you can win influence as you seek to build an above average balance sheet. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. I'm ready. So again, hopefully, have Noah, have I convinced you that influence is important? Yeah. And not just today. It's kind of been a... <laughs> not yet. I want you to go through <laughs> not, these things. I'm not convinced. Not convinced. All right. So we need to convince you. All right, so there's a few ways to influence people and yourself, right? And this first one I think is 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 funny. I can't even say pun intended. Come on, <laughs> come on, come on. 
All right, so the first way you can influence yourself and people is just to laugh. It's just to have fun. It's to just to be humorous. Some of the most influential people on planet Earth are comedians. Yes. Like Jerry Seinfeld, like, what are some other ones? Chris Rock. Is Chris Rock a comedian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, some of those people are so influential. Yes. They can talk about things, hot-button things, provide an element of humor into it, and people relate. Yes. Like, the, the, thing, the thing in my mind right now is when Elon Musk walked into the t- Twitter headquarters with the sink. Yeah. And he said, let that sink in. <laughs> That's the epitome of influence. <laughs> y- yes. Like, model that well. But, I, like, on a serious note, humor is a sign of intelligence. Humor is a sign of intelligence. Like when you, when, when you are capable, cause like when, when you, you know, when you crack a joke or, or when you make people laugh, really like it's a signal to those people that you are confident and that you know what you're talking about enough to, you know, kind of just put yourself out there, right? It takes a lot of back end brain work to make funny jokes all the time. Yes. And when you're like consistently, you know, humorous, um, you know, obviously like there, there's, you know, there's ways to overdo it, right? But I think in the context of, you know, what we're talking about, and let's say you have an audience, like when you can lace humor into, you know, a presentation or into a client meeting or into something, um, you know, it actually is like disarming the person. It's like bringing that person close to you and saying, hey, you know, like this is a sales conversation. This is a conversation that's, you know, serious, or this is a conversation. And, you know, again, when when I was, uh, you know, at Davis, like these are some very complex issues. Like these are issues where here's the problem and we're going to talk about the second and third order effects. But when you, when you use humor and you need to use humor a lot, actually in presentations, you know, again, you're just like resetting the person's emotion. You're resetting their person's brain and it's disarming and, and creating an environment where they can hear what you're about to say. I like it. I agree. I know we're talking about humor, but it doesn't have to just necessarily be humor. I think just saying things in a different way to get it like lands better mm-hmm. in people's minds. Totally. Yeah. Like if you have a boring call, co- like everyone can think about in college where the professor is like talking about something extremely vanilla. A drone. And you drone. And then you just like, your mind starts to go off. You start daydreaming. And all of a sudden you got nothing out of that. But like if you knew that that professor was going to be cracking jokes throughout the way, like you'd probably be a little more on the edge of your seat. Uh, you know, like what's he going to say next? What's he going to say next? And like you would be able to engage with that, you know, presentation at school and absorb what that person is saying. So ain't that wild? Comedians have to be excellent communicators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like humor is totally a cheat code to, you know, build trust. And it's a sign of intelligence. So practice being humorous. On to the next one. Facts tell, story sell. Is that the next one? That is the next one. Jake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at the third one down the list. Jacob's like, hold on a second. Um, I can tell you everything about the, uh, the Fed, but I can't tell you. I, can't, I don't know where we are. Okay. So facts tell, story sell. All right. This sounds one of those things. This is like a little bit of those weird ways of, well, if you want to sound really smart, you should just spew off all of your, you know, smart smarts stories. about, wow, I know, I know about this. Like this company 15 years ago was doing XYZ on this quarterly report and here's where they pivoted, da, 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 da. No. 
Stories are so much more persuasive because what you're doing is like you're putting that person in, like you're you're almost like injecting that person into the 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 uh you know what you were trying to say right through a story. Like people relate to people, right? Like people don't re- relate to earnings reports. People don't relate. Like Warren Buffett, for example, like you know people are attracted to him as a person. Because of his stories. Because of his stories, yeah. Yeah. Like, he could say, like, he knows all the statistics in his head, but, like, he has influenced millions of investors because of his hokey-pokey stories. It's just kind of evidence of what he's done. Stories are just kind of evidence of anything. Yes, that's good. And it's a, yeah, it's just, I said the exact same thing about the humor thing, but it sticks better in people's minds Mm and they remember it. Storytellers have to be... Excellent communicators. Excellent communicators. Yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, people like know what to do, largely. You want to have a good marriage? Date your spouse. You want to have, you know, money? Save money. If you want to, you know, grow your money? Invest it. People largely know what to do, but they lack the inspiration to actually execute, right? And like, again, when you're trying to get somebody to do something or when you're trying to get yourself to do something, like tell yourself a good story and then laugh at your mistakes. Yeah. Like, who do you want to be? Like, don't tell yourself, I want to have a net worth of X. Like, I want to, you know, be retired when I'm X. Like, those are all goals and those are all good. But like, tell yourself a story about what it's going to be like. More persuasive, mm-hmm. far more persuasive, right? I like reading stories in things, which is probably part of why I like Morgan Housel's stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. w- more on him later. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. So the next one, uh, you know, how to influence yourself and how to influence others. This is, is the third one that I thought oh. was second. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> is praise. What a word, right? You're like, yeah. wait a second. What? Why are we talking about this? I was, um, again, at this presentation, and, and Chris, again, is, is one of my, he's really one of my heroes. He would, he would never, like, what? You're some random guy from North Dakota. But like, no, you're a fascinating guy. Whenever he, you know, what, he would, he, you know, he would, he would be on stage, right? And, and he was like, hey, if, if, he didn't, if he thought of another person who had a better answer, like, he would, you know, share, he would first share the mic, right? He'd always say something good about that person. And... I was in the crowd. You know, a lot of this stuff takes three people. There's like the person giving the influence or like the, the, the person who wants to be influenced, the person receiving the influence, and then somebody watching it happen, right? Like that's how a lot of things in life happen. Uh, same with love. Like there's somebody who gives love, there's somebody who receives loves, and then there's somebody who watches love. Like that's how you, um, you know, that's oftentimes how it works. And I thought this was so good. Like, you know, like at this whole thing, like the, 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 the Davis advisors team, like it was a very honoring environment and they all had just great things to say about each other. Mm. And, you know, I was sitting there in the audience watching all of this happen and then listening, of course, what they were saying, but I was like, oh yeah, that's a culture. Like they, they, they respect each other. They can laugh. They can, you know, poke fun at each other. Um, but like what it made me feel like as, you know, one of the 200 people, you know, in the audience was like, okay, these, these are like good people. Like I, I feel very confident having our clients assets and my own money too, you know, with them. Praise. A little, uh, inside PL for everybody. Uh Oh, um, last week we did, uh, we're, we're always trying to find ways to be better at doing everything. Thanks to this guy. Mostly. 
Um, but he pointed we, at me, Jacob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we were we were planning on doing a like a constructive criticism um, meeting, basically, where we just went through and um, everybody gave ideas to each other on how to be better. But we started by um, just praising everybody, and like we just went around the room and said like a good thing about something, somebody, and just just gave them a compliment. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I left. Yeah. Friday feeling more like cared for by you guys than like I ever have. And like, if you gave me constructive criticism, I know it's coming from a place of love and it's because you want me to do better um, and be better. And you believe in me. And it's just a pretty, I thought it was a really cool thing and it's evidence of the praise. Uh, yeah. The effect of praise. Yes. It was, it was a, that was probably one of my favorite afternoons ever. Right. I've been doing this for 10 years. It was so fun. I was like, Oh, this is such a good way to like lead you know, leave the weekend and, or, or go head into the weekend. But it's like, if you want to be, if you want to be liked more, you know, like people more, if you want to have more respect, respect people better. Um, if you want to, if you want more affirming words, like, you know, give, you know, be a generous giver of them. And, um, and, and then I have in the show notes too, it's like words matter, like what you say matters, but then also for everyone out there, like, so does what's not being said. Like what you don't tell yourself or what you don't tell your, your spouse, what you don't tell your colleagues, what you don't tell your clients, like that matters as well. And so like be a person of, you know, be a person who gives praise. And then all of this too, like we're talking about, you know, influencing others. But again, like if you, if you just have these soundtracks in your minds that you're like, oh, you suck. You're never going to, you're never good enough. Like, you know, what's actually going to happen is that <laughs> like, if you keep telling yourself these things. Like you will have zero influence on yourself and it'll be really hard to influence others if you just are, you know, constantly barraging yourself. So, yeah. Boom. Standards. Standards. You want to be somebody, you got to have sky high standards. Right? All right. So your next sky high standard, because this one's really big. <laughs> I wrote in here, if you want to be an NBA champ, like it takes probably two decades to become an NBA champ. Well, there's 20 None of years. us are going to do it. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be me. I'm not going to yeah, be an NBA We're not champ. NBA champs. But again, talking about influence, talking about how you influence yourself and others is have high standards. And again, like I said, if you want to be an NBA champ, it's literally going to take 20 years. Well, there's 21-year-olds in the leagues. Yeah, they've been probably practicing basketball as soon as they walked, right? Like, well... There's, you know, some people play at five. You get what I'm saying. Like, it takes way, way, way longer to get to the top than people realize. I looked at going to base camp of Mount Everest a few years ago. I was like, I want to do this. I want to mm. go to the base camp. And uh, I don't want to climb Everest, but I was like, I would love to go to the base camp of Everest just to be there, right? And, uh, like, I seriously looked into this and how much it would cost. The thing that, the thing that I was like, nope, this isn't working is it just took too much time. I was like, yeah. to get to the base camp of Mount Everest takes way longer than you think. And then climbing Everest, I mean, it takes like four months. It's like, well, you only climbed to the top on like one day. It's like, yeah, that's right. It's like a 20 hour day of climbing up. But like, that's all people think about. But like, no, it takes like the trip itself is four months and then the training can take years. Like, yeah, it's not just, oh, I think I'm going to go to Everest today. Yeah, it's like you don't just like casually walk up. Uh, you know, you don't casually survive the death zone. 
But like all of those people have really high standards. In this case, pun intended, sky high standards. So again, if you want to influence yourself, you want to influence other people, like set the bar. And like with, with your, you know, if you, if you have low, low influence or if you don't like have high standards for yourself, like that's okay. We're not saying like try and become an NBA champ. Like, no, just be comfortable with your influence and know that, uh, you know, your standards are a leading indicator of like, you know, who you'll become. The, obviously the disconnect you can see where, where people get misaligned is like they have, they want to have X, but their standards are Y. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's never going to happen. I agree. I like that Everest story. That's right. Josh was talking, he was in the Fargo Marathon over the weekend. Yeah. And he was saying that by the time he got to the end, he had cramps or, or whatever. He was yep. running with cramps or, or something like that. And he, he had was cramps saying, at mile 22. I don't know. How, how long Double was this thing? Up. Yeah. How, how long was this thing? Uh, 26 miles. 26 generally, miles. That's oh. generally how long marathons are, Jacob. Yeah, 26 ge- miles? Yeah, ge- oh. yeah generally okay. speaking. Well, you can obviously tell since, that I have the, not been since to. Since the, the, the ancient Greeks. <laughs> but anyway, he was talking about the he, Romans. He was talking about his training and how he was saying, like, people told him, like, what you did was wrong. You shouldn't have gone, like, two miles to four miles to eight miles to 16 miles all the way up. What you really should have done is, like, slowly worked yourself over the course of a year and done like really small increments so that you really condition your body to go long distances rather than just like extremes yeah. up until you're ready to do the massive extreme. Yep. Yeah, which was interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, takes a long. So the next one here is truth. And again, you're, I hope you guys are being able to like, um, you know, understand where we're coming here again on the Laminate Money podcast, right? Like how money works is it's just a weekly thing layer by layer by layer by layer. Every week we lay a new layer of our financial life, right? Whether it was a good week or a bad week, whether the markets went down, whether they went up, like that's a layer that we cannot change, Something happened. Something happens. And it's either good or bad. You want just, you want like 55% wins uh, and that'll do, like that's good enough. Like not every day is a win, right? But like layer by layer by layer by layer. Uh, Like that's just how, that's how the Grand Canyon formed, right? That's how like the earth crusts, right? Um, so the reason truth is so important is like, you just always want to tell yourself the truth. You want to tell other people the truth and never, you know, stray from that. And, uh, this is something that's very, you know, deep inside of me. And I, you know, I, a couple months ago, my, my daughter's, you know, four and she's becoming, I mean, she's becoming a little human. Right. And, uh, I just told her, I was like, Lucy, I will always tell you the truth. Even if I don't want to say it, like, I will always tell you the truth. Because the truth is so important. So when you think about just, you know, how to influence others, how to influence yourself, if you're telling yourself a lie all the time, whether that's like, I'm not good enough or I can never do that, uh, you know, that's totally going to like, and if that's a lie, right, um, you're, you know, you're just going to find yourself living a lie and like, who wants, who wants to do that? So, um, well, and also telling lies, even if they're white lies, protect somebody's like, physical or emotional state or something like ultimately that could cause them more harm than good. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. And this is like something that's unique about our area. Like, I think we're like, you know, Midwest nice, uh, you know, there's some, you know, there's some, there's some truth in that too, but there's some underlying, yeah. like, no, just tell the truth. Like, um, if you have something like constructive feedback, right? Like that's what we're going to do this week. We had this like bubbly time and, and this, you know, the feedback is going to be like, yeah, we had the constructive hey. part last Friday. Noah will not be going home <laughs> on this Friday. So no, no, it, it's going to be good. It's, it's going to be good. But again, it's like, Hey, like we all want to be better. Like 
not for the sake of, we just want to be better, right? And you, that takes the truth. So here's the last one. You guys have any have on the truth thing? That, that's pretty- uh, No, that's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right, last one here. No taking. Ayo. I'm taking brain notes all the time. <laughs> Jacob's like taking brain notes. All right, I'm going to hit you with this. Some of the most, I'm not going to name these people by name. Some of the most successful people I've ever encountered or heard stories of have been just note-taking machines. And so when you're, you know, when you're thinking of your own life, when you're thinking about other people, you're sitting in a sales meeting, if you're sitting in a meeting, take notes because what you're communicating, first of all, your memories, you know, a pencil's is, uh, what does our note sheet say? I can't, I don't know. It's the shortest, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. Something like that. Take good notes. That's on our, you know, internal documents here everywhere. And like what you're communicating to yourself and your people is like, Hey, I care. Like I care enough to write down what you are saying in front of me. And there's times like when I'm first meeting with people, if they don't necessarily know that you're pretty much always going to be sitting in front of me with a sheet of paper. Like I'll start taking notes and they're always like, what's he writing? No. Like why, like, why did he write? Oh, he's write, interested. Write that. You know, why did he write that down? Yeah. Why that? Or why did he just start writing down? But really like what I'm telling you is like, it's, it's for, you know, my benefit note taking is, you know, it's for me. Um, but it's also like, it's, it's a way to communicate to the other person. Like, yeah, I care. Like I care. Like after this meeting, I have something written down about your life that matters to you and it matters to me. And like, that, you know, that's what I'm trying to communicate with people when I'm taking notes. And Chris Davis, again, at this, this event, I mean, he was taking notes on stage constantly. I was so impressed. I think he was always like thinking about like a, a memory that he had that he wanted to talk about later. Like he was always like in, in this conversation, you know, he, he was just writing and, and, uh, and I was like, I know exactly what he's doing. Um, he's doing this for himself. He's also, you know, steering the conversation because he wants to influence us. Right. And that's just a, that's a low hanging fruit one. Take better notes. And it doesn't just have to be about other people. Take notes about yourself. Yeah. Because let me tell you, you guys actually probably don't know this, but in my notion, I just have this thing where I'll be walking along on my three mile hikes at the end of the day. And I'll just be like, oh, that's a good idea. And it just pops into my brain. And I think about it for like 15 minutes. And then I pop open my phone. I stop. And I like type out this thing and half the time I come back and I'm like, well, that was kind of dumb. I don't know what I was really doing, but it's still there. I still have it. I can go back and look yes. at it and be like, okay, what, what is wrong with that? And then the next time I go for my walk, I'm like, oh, this is the next thing that I'm going to write down. And I've got a million little things where I just wrote all this stuff down as I was walking along. And yeah, it's powerful. I have, I'm, I'm literally stuck with Evernote. So that's an application. That I just use Notion. Jacob's a big Notion guy, which is awesome. A lot of people use Apple Notes, but I've got like, I've got, I've got a decade's worth of notes on my phone that I've just, you know, diligently taken. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny and funny story for everyone out there. So, uh, nine months before Dan started working with me, I was sitting on an airplane. I don't even know where I was flying. I was either flying to LA or New York and I wrote in my phone and I have proof of this. I was like, Hey, I think Dan Schuster would be an awesome guy to have on the team. Nine months later after I'd written that down, because I was dreaming and writing, right? And he just walks into the office. He's like, hey, do you have any jobs? Like, do you have any work? And it was us versus I Bailey. And it was crazy. I was like, oh my gosh, this must, this like has to be. Yeah. So, but I, w I wouldn't have really known that because I actually wrote it down. And it's one of the coolest, like, you know, uh, uh, testimonials uh, in here because 
yeah, I was, I was just writing notes of like what, what I wanted our business to look like and who I wanted on the team. And then sure enough, nine months later, Dan's like, Hey, you got any work? Like I'm just graduating. Whoa, crazy. Okay. All right. So that, those are the hot points. So humor, stories, praise, standards, truth, and note-taking are great ways to influence yourself and others. And, and always, if you have more, email them to us. Yes, exactly. Email us um, if we did miss anything. Influence, again, is so important. Like, it's really, really important for, for yourself, for your family, for your, you know, for your friends, for your colleagues, you know, customers, clients, uh, whatever, you know, type of customer client you work with, right? Like, you have to be able to influence people. And it starts with influencing yourselves. All right, let's get on to Morgan Housel. I love this thing. Okay. Now we're going to go one by one through the- There's no way. This is <laughs> I, way too long. I will not go one by one, but we are going to go through every single level. And some of these can go through, like these beginning levels, we can just go incredibly quick through them. Basically, level zero is you're a homeless person and you're panhandling. Yes. That's basically what it is. Like, you depend on the kindness of strangers. Yes. That's what level zero is. That's what he outlined. Level one- dependence on other people because they want you to succeed this is like when you're 15 and your parents are buying you a car <laughs> that's what this is or and he does do like the companies backed by friends and family right level two complete financial dependence with uh, uh or a complete financial dependence on people with a vested interest in your financial outcome this is kind of only for businesses but a little bit on the side of like hey i'm gonna pay for your college still kind of in that in that area let me zoom out for a second. So first of all, everyone, Morgan Housel, um, probably one of the best writers. Psychology of Money. Yeah, Psychology of Money. He's got a new book coming out. Um, he's got a fabulous uh, blog, Collab Fund. He was actually uh, presented to us in New York a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, just a great guy. Um, what we're talking about here isn't necessarily tied to a dollar amount. No, not a dollar amount at all. And that's really important because yeah. um, some people don't need... $10 million, some people need 20 and they have 10 and they're just a hot mess. Valid. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, all right, let's hit on uh, uh, number three. Level three, ability to partially support yourself by adding value or others while somewhat reliant on external report, uh, support. This is like you're, you're graduated from college yep. and your parents are still paying your cell phone bill yep, or something, right? You still need a little bit of support or something like that, but you're pretty much self- Reliant on your own income. Um, and then number five, right? That's where we're on. Uh, we're number four. Number four. My goodness. These numbers are terrible. Um, ability to fully support yourself by adding other value for others. And then this is kind of where like you're working a full-time job. You're paying your own rent, your own cell phone bill. You maybe have kids to feed. You have a wife's support, stuff like that. But your skills aren't that unique. Yeah. And this is kind of, some, you know, there's a uh, Alex Ramosi quote. Oh, oh, gosh. oh gosh, here he goes. No, where he's like, some people like they say, oh yeah, I have 20 years worth of experience. And it's like, no, you have one year's worth of experience repeated 20 times. Mm -hmm. So if you have a job like that, you know, where, where it's like, it, it's, it's like, a, oh, I don't want to use it. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Where it's a job that's easily replaced by something called artificial intelligence. Like that's dangerous. Like there's the, there's a huge skill gap, right? between. Yeah, where, where our country is going from a labor force and uh, AI's capability and, you know, versus again, versus where people's uh, actual skill sets are. So most, most people, I would say financially speaking, are stuck between level four and five. Yep. Number, five is 100%. number five is enough savings to cover run-of-the-mill problems. This is an emergency fund. 
for everybody out there. Yeah, kind sort of. of sort like of. in between emergency fund and a full emergency fund. Run-of-the-mill problems. This isn't like a $15,000 or a $10,000 furnace AC. Yeah. This is more of like, you know, I chip my windshield and it's going to cost 300 bucks. Yeah. Those types of problems. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of people are stuck. Yep. Level five. And Noah had a great post this morning on at the average net worth by age. And, you know, you, you can like kind of see the numbers aren't that high and you can see like, oh yeah, a lot of people are stuck at number five. Yeah. Because of, because of those numbers. Yeah. Where it's like, you just can't, if you can't get past that, it's really hard to save on top of it. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. So number six, these would be like this the is emergency, the emergency fund. fund. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And enough savings to cover large unforeseen problems. Yes. This is like your car breaks down and you get a new car. Yes. Yep. Stuff yep. like that. Uh, level seven, retirement savings, education savings, and avoidance of consumer and auto debt. You still rely on your boss, customers, whatever, to provide you income, but you don't necessarily need to rely on the bank to provide you collateral or uh, capital for a car yep. or whatever. And so again, avoidance of consumer and auto debt. So these would be like, you know, paying cash for cars. Oh, I can never afford a car. Well, yeah, because you're you're thinking about buying a new vehicle <laughs> or like you think that you need the 2024 Dodge Ram that's coming out. It's like, no, a <laughs> yeah. 2015 might be fine. Um, so level seven is all about the mindset of, I don't need debt. I'm comfortable having a, an older vehicle and I never go into credit card debt and things are automated. Yeah, I so, think that's a good spot to put automation. Yeah. When we get to this point, that's kind of where, yeah, comfortable is a word you start using and you're finally starting to grow a little bit and not exactly paycheck to paycheck or close to it really yes yep all right so number eight i'll take this one so this is where you start getting a little bit next level um, particularly from a career perspective and financial perspective where you start to be picky like yeah i don't really need to do that i don't need to take on that project that client really isn't you know isn't worth my time um you know where you know somebody says hey do you want to come to arizona for the weekend you're like let's do it <laughs> that sounds like fun yeah. um, because you have the cash, because your, your savings account is, you know, turns into an investment account. You know, you don't have stupid credit card debt where you're compounding on other people's balance sheets. You don't have a, you know, a, you know, 80% loan to value on your car. Like, you know, you're, you're doing fine. Number nine, this is where it gets really laced in psychology. Yeah. And this is where some people diverge. I yep. think this is where people start to say like, I need a private jet or I need a Louis Vuitton bag or I need whatever things to prove that I am rich or wealthy. Yep. This is where like social status comes in where, and again, this is level nine. So this is above those other things where you have like proven yourself where like, you don't need anything. Like if you want to buy a Porsche to buy a Porsche and you don't care what other people, you just want to buy a Porsche. Like that's this Yep. versus buying a Porsche because you need to feel like you're somebody. Like those are two different reasons to buy a Porsche because you can, or because you need to be somebody he's talking like that. He's saying that that person who needs to be somebody, uh, you know, isn't level nine, but the person's like, yeah, this is just what I want. And they just do it and they're fine. And they just write a check or they lease it for a year because they only want it for a year. Like that's fine. They're fine. All right. Level 10, the ability to say no to banks whose debt you don't need, including mortgages. This is a big one. Sometimes debt. As leverage is good, but like if you don't need it and you still take it, that's still in this camp, mm -hmm. right? 
you have enough assets to cover it, but you don't need a mortgage, but you still take one out because you're fine. That's level 10. Yeah. So this is like above those, hey, I'm going to buy a Porsche to buy a Porsche. This is like, I don't like, I, if I want to buy a new lake cabin, it's like, sweet. Okay. Sounds good. Like, here's a check. Or it's like, no, let's sit down with the, let's sit down with the team and say, it doesn't make sense to put, uh, you know, a tissue leverage on this or, you know, do, do some refinancing. Like that's, that's where you like, you have the, the bank optional lifestyle and the bank optional lifestyle is uh, pretty powerful. I want to be bank optional. I want to be bank optional as well. All right. Level 11. Few realistic situations would cause you, your company, or your family to be pushed back below level five. Yep. Level five, remember, is the one where you can't do like reasonable expenses or like the $300 chipped windshield. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. The spot where most people are stuck. And these are like liquid assets, right? So you don't have... Like your business is fine. Like even if you own a business, like you have enough liquid assets outside of it to take a, uh, to take a hit. Uh, if you have, you know, you don't have any debt, you don't necessarily even have a mortgage. So like you get to the point where you are just, you know, generating cash flow that's out that that's simply just building, and you're at a place where, uh, you know, even again, even if you have a mortgage, where you could just not work for a year, and you'd be fine. That's level eleven. All right, level this 12. one sounds level eleven to me sounds like extremely. That, that one's a good that, level. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right. Interest and dividends cover more than half of your living expenses. This is like your liquid assets are large enough where you can almost live off of them. Yes. I'm gonna actually, alone. I'm gonna actually read what he has to say because this is important. Yeah. Most of this independence is owed to a slim lifestyle rather than huge assets. You realize that lifestyle desires compound faster than almost any asset. <laughs> Ooh, that last one. You realize that lifestyle desires compound faster than almost any asset. So good. That is good. That is so good. Like if, if you get into any wormhole, like cars, watches, handbags, clothes, car, um, real estate, houses, chairs, furniture, you name it, like the ability to quickly go up the rungs I mean, you can go from like, I'm fine driving a Honda to I want a Ferrari in 12 months. And <laughs> that is like very easy because it's so easy to spend money. I've told people, I'm too, you, you guys know, like it's so easy to spend a million dollars. Mr. Beast recently was asked if he could spend a billion dollars in a day. He's like, oh yeah, no problem. You just there's I could spend a billion dollars yeah, in a day. Are you, you kidding me? Go to Monaco and buy five yachts. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like it's that easy to spend money. Yeah. And so what again, what Morgan is saying here is like those desires compound far faster than assets. Profound. Profound. All right. Level 13. Your assets and their reasonable return expectations will cover basic living expectant expenses for longer than your life expectancy. Wow. This is when we build a wealth map. And we see it continue to go up even after retirement, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this, like level 13, this takes, a, this take, this is one of those things where if you're 30, it's going to take till 50 to 60. This is just one of those things where it just takes a while. And again, the, the lever that he's trying to pull here for us isn't to have like $20 million at Schwab. It's to have a lifestyle that you are comfortable with and you are okay with and that you don't need anything to make you fulfilled you are just fine. Yeah, this could be 1 million or this could be Elon Musk level 250 billion. Yeah. This is all a mindset. Yeah. And then, the, and then what's cool about this is like when the mindset matches the assets, that is wealth. Yeah. Yeah. 
happiness is expectations minus reality, yep. right? That's yep. what it is. Yeah. Yep. That's all it. right. Level fourteen. Your assets. This is this is what we're on. Level fourteen. No, we're on. Uh, I think the, I think we hold are. Hold on. Yeah, we're on fourteen. Oh. Yeah. Your assets cover above basic living expenses mm-hmm. with assets and their reasonable return expectations. So above basics, this would be. All right. This is a hilarious Chris Rock. If Bill okay. Gates woke up with Oprah's money, he'd jump out of the window. <laughs> oh wow that's the difference between 100 billion and 3 billion yeah um so yeah what what we're talking about here is like level 13 is your basic living expenses that's just heat clothing food food transportation you travel a little bit of travel like you're yeah. not you're not being extravagant you're not jet setting yeah level 14 is the uh, I'm jet setting and going to I'm going to Florida and then I'm I'm plane hopping from the Bahamas to Cancun to yep. Europe to wherever. Yep. And yeah. I would say like on social media um this is social media tells you level 14. Like social media tells you that you know you need to be a level 14. Um complete independence and you can do whatever. Yeah. But I, I think the fallacy in this is like you actually don't get there. Like you don't become, th- this is one of those like weird psychology things. And he talks about this in the, like in the psychology of money. I'm sure. Yeah. Where you don't become rich by like, you know, buying Porsches. Like you become rich by doing something else that provides a lot of value and having a very, um, you know, modest lifestyle so that you get to the point where you can do those things. Like you don't buy a Ferrari and then become rich. You become rich and then buy a Ferrari. But again, social media like really twists that one. Yeah. That's because it's it's a pain point. Yeah. All right. Level 15. Independence lets you do and say what you please unconcerned with other people disagreeing with you. Since you don't rely on the support or opportunities they could offer. Yeah. And then we're not even going to, I think we're just going to kind of wrap this up. 16. This is an awesome sentence. Meaningful. Philanthropy <laughs> is the only reasonable way your assets won't compound faster than you spend. Basically, you give it all away. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. You won't, you can't spend yourself into zero unless yeah. you give it all away. Yes. And this is, uh, you know, there's, there's been people who are, the level 16 would be, uh, let's just take, you know, any of the, 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 the very, very well-known billionaires out there. Um, and, and they, they oftentimes get ragged on like, oh, why aren't they like, you know, why don't they, why don't they give more of their money away? Um, and it's just like, it's a math uh, equation sometimes. Well, it's like, they're above basic living styles. No, what I'm trying to say here is like, when you, when you have the the levels of wealth that they have, um, it's like if they, like a 10% return on like 10 billion, that's like a billion dollars. Like that's, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, and again, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to say it. It's like, it is like challenging to give that kind of money away. It's like the, the logistics of that, the, you know, can an organization handle it? Um, and again, how we're seeing this shift is, uh, um, oh, what's her name? Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, uh, forgive me for not uh, remembering her name off the top of my head, but you know, she's how she's doing this and she's really breaking the mold of, of number 16 is she's just giving a ton of small checks, Mm. you know, where it's not like, um, in the, in index fund giving yeah kind of yeah like a y like a yc type of type of strategy for giving um so yeah there's some weird challenges you know to that but yeah those are the people we're talking about right like yeah 
where their money is growing faster than their ability to give. Which uh, And level them. 16 doesn't mean that you give. It just means that you could give a ton of money and still be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I would say like 14 and above are very much like, okay, there's a number on that. Um, but again, most of these things are just laced in psychology. Mm-hmm. And most things, again, it's like, hey, just don't just watch your expectations because they can grow so much faster than your asset base. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we always tell people like, hey, if you if your net worth can be growing as fast as the S&P 500, that's awesome. Like, that's fantastic. You're like, well, that's only 7% a year. Like, yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, for over for a long period of time, that's great. And uh, clearly, you know, when, when, when people are reaching for returns, you know, oftentimes get. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about that on how to search for, how to look for asset bubbles. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to be out tomorrow. So. No, no, no. Not tomorrow. Thursday. When the listeners are reading it. Oh. Oh. You're right. Next meta. Meta so Jacob. Close. Let them cook, Jacob. Let them cook. All right. So um, we are actually, uh, let's, okay. We spent a, a really long time on these, on the, on the two first. I think we got to talk at least about the housing. Yes. Let's talk about housing and we can hit up some of these other things. So I'm going to read the the headline that Jacob mentioned earlier, and then we're going to wrap it up here. Well, we'll talk about this for a second because housing, this is like housing. This is when people buy houses and sell houses. Home prices posted largest annual drop in more than 11 years in April. And full and fair disclosure, I'm going to put this chart on there, but read the headline again. Home prices posted largest annual drop in more than 11 years in April. And you want to know why? Because home prices haven't dropped for more than 11 years. <laughs> they fell 1.7%. Oh, that's a little clickbaity. And I'm like, gosh, it's the worst headline I've ever seen because I instantly clicked it. Yeah. I scrolled. I saw the chart. And home prices haven't falled, or fallen for 11 years. When I saw Jacob read that headline... He almost tipped over in his chair. I literally did. I, I should have like, just This isn't left. what it is. So the, um, before the great financial crisis, I believe um, there, there, there was a group of people that didn't even think it was possible for home prices to go down. Oh, I thought that that was everybody. Well, not everybody, but like- there <laughs> Pretty was, much everybody. They're like, how is this possible? Like what? Like home prices had never gone down ever. And obviously the GFC was you know, horrible. And, and again, the drawdown wasn't even like terrible. Right, like the drawdown wasn't like what what would you expect from an operating business, like you know, like like you like Apple or mm-hmm. uh, privately held companies, but uh, yeah, now they come out with this headlines and it's like okay, yeah, and it's just on. it's just touching on the pain because everybody experiences recency bias. They're mm-hmm. all like, okay, well, home price is falling. Yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah, because home prices haven't hadn't fallen mm-hmm. for the longest time, whatever, and. Here they are falling again by 1.7%. Like, now, I will say, was that year over year or was that is, month over is, month? This is year over year. Okay. Oh, yeah. Year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy business. If it was 1.7% on the month, that would be bad. Like, that's a pretty steep move down. And I think it's, it's a good reminder for everyone, too, that, you know, we pretty much had a decade's worth of returns in like three years. And you also, and you also look at this chart and it's absurd. To, yeah. So, so from 2020 to 2022, I mean, that was the, the gains we had there. I mean, that was almost like a decade's worth of return. So, so when we are doing, you know, wealth maps for people, when you, uh, when you talk to any commercial real estate uh, person or just multifamily investor, you know, like the, the, the increase in equity value or, or the market cap of the project. I, I know I'm kind of twisting words here of like public securities and, and not. But it's like, yeah, you plan on your property going up like, you know, 
two to four percent a year. Four is pretty hot, right? Like it's inflation, and you make your money on the cash flow and and, and debt pay down. So, like what we experienced the last two years was just like it wasn't. It was like a decade's worth of returns in just a hand, handful of years. So, so to hear that it's going down, yeah, like yeah. And ben, and ben Carlson a- has a super interesting chart, which we're not going to go deep into this, but it was basically just the refinance chart. Oh yeah, is what's just crazy about it. Everybody has these super low mortgages and they're never moving. Yeah, and that's why there's no supply, and that's what the home prices are falling because there's still people that are saying like, I should buy a house. Yeah, I mean, I I told uh, one of my neighbors. They're like, oh, did you see that house that's for sale by you? I was like, yeah, I did. I actually talked to my banker about it. But I was like, I, our mortgage rate is so awesome. Like, we we really do have an amazing house. And I was like, you know, if that was two years earlier, like, things were a little different. And, you know, interest rates were lower. Like, sure, we'd, you know, take a crack at that thing. But, um, yeah, we're, we got a great house. And yeah. our mortgage is, like, is laughably low, like a lot of other people's. So we're like, nah, eh, we're just going to stay. Now give it five years and I'm sure mortgage rates will come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. When the Fed comes back down to terminal, it'll yeah. come back down. Yep. But yeah, give it some time. Give it some time. But we are in buying season. So it'll be interesting to see if home prices kind of rebound. Yeah. Just as there is maybe more demand and still low supply. Yep. I don't know. We'll see. My calls for uh for, for more of a flat market. I think so too. But yeah. yeah. Who knows? The, the, the low end of the market in Fargo though. Wow. Like it is, you know, talking to realtors, I mean, it's mind blowing. Yeah. The high end, the high end is dead. Yeah. And the low end is just booming, but it's gotta be just because of high end buyers that were people that would have been high end buyers say two years ago. Yeah. Now are now going down market. Because they have to, or they're just yeah. staying in their house. Yeah. And, and so again, this house that we were, you know, I was talking about to, with my neighbor, uh, they pulled it off the market. It was on, is on oh, well. for like a month or something. I'm sure it was hmm. crickets and they're like, yeah, we're just, I, I, we'll I just don't know. Hold on to it. Yeah. So, Dang. but, the, but as all of those buyers go down market, like the, the, even what it is it like sub 300 or 350 in Fargo? Is that the market? Yeah, probably like 350, sub 350 would it, be hot. Yeah. It's just been like, you know, again, you can, of, you can list it 12 days later, you'll have like 12 offers, right? I think yeah. that's what, I think I've heard stories of that. What a, a house on my street was right at that 350, uh, home and built in the sixties and immediately just five offers. One of my yeah. friends actually was, took a, took a stab at it. Wow. And uh, no go. So yeah, it's a- uh, And those are like, still selling above asking, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those deals where it's like a tale of two, two markets. Yeah, literally. And this is like, you talk to Manhattan real estate or look, look there. Uh, it's, you know, it's a similar story, right? But it's like the, 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 the low end of the market is just a lot higher than the low end of the market here in Fargo. And then, um, you know, you know, five and $10 million properties there and, and above are, you know, just it, they're sitting on the market a long, long time. So, all right, Stan, we're going to do Stan because this kind of ties oh, off. Oh, yeah. This ties okay. off a mongers right. thing. Quote of the week. This is a good one. <laughs> and this kind of goes with the housing market, yep. right? This, t- all, this all ties in. Yep. If you give people free money, they will do stupid things. Stan, drunk, drunken Miller. Yeah. I always think it's drunken Miller. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. So, Stan's, uh, he's the guy in the early 90s that broke the Bank of England. Uh, I believe it was with Soros. Yep. And they put just a huge short position on the pound, uh, the pound and broke the market and made a billion dollars in a day in the early 90s. Like that is, you know, you do the time value money, fast forward that. I mean, that's a huge trade. Um, so anyways, that was uh, that was just what he reminded people of. And that's what we experienced the last, free, you know, a couple of years with with you know, when the 10 year treasury was at like, you know, 50 basis points. Uh, when you give people free money, they do stupid things. And uh, 
Yeah. And not saying, not saying that if you got a 3% mortgage and you bought a house <laughs> that you're doing stupid things, but yeah. there probably were out there people out there that took that free money and did very stupid yeah, things. Yeah. And when you it. think, when you think about like SPACs, when you think about, you know, the uh, options, you know, even, you know, the crypto markets and you look at any of those charts that were like mooning, just mooning. And then it was like, bam, uh, you know, a lot of that's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of money supply out there chasing, uh, chasing some really interesting things. So, um, hey, we appreciate everyone listening. Yeah, we talked a lot today. We did. Yes. A lot of it was rather philosophical. Um, we try and lace in, you can't really get around the psychology of money, right? And that's a term that Morgan Housel, you know, he wrote a book after, but that's really what it is. He's probably going to come after us because you said that now. Oh, right. Oh my gosh. Um, but he's, uh, like, that's really, like, really important. And, and everyone wants to hear the, the, the nuts and bolts and the math. And, and we definitely understand that that's what people want to hear. They want to see the charts. They want to, they want to see pictures. And um, it's kind of hard to, uh, it's hard to, you know, talk about psychology and have it pictures. And, 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 but this stuff, like, really matters, right? Uh, like, our first part of influence, like, that is a, that is a very, very leading indicator of, uh, you know, of success, whether that's financially or whether that's in the relationship, whoever you're trying to have a relationship with, whether it's your kids, spouse, partner, whatever it is, right? Um, like your ability to influence is, uh, is, is important. So uh, do you, continue doing you. If you guys have any questions or feedback for us, uh, shoot us an email. And, and again, we appreciate your time and we'll see you guys next week on the Limited Money Podcast. Tom, Jacob, Dan, and Noah are registered representatives of Sanctuary Securities and investment advisor representatives of Sanctuary Advisors. Bill Capital is a DBA of Sanctuary Securities and Sanctuary Advisors.